0: We're going to be thinking about Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 to 33 and let me tell you it's going to involve some baggage because it's all about marriage and when it comes to marriage every single one of us has baggage. Now that baggage may come from our own parents, you know, their marriage or or their lack of marriage. It may come from their wonderful or, or their dysfunctional or abusive marriages. Every single one of us has baggage. Because we've all experienced, you know, husbands be- behaving either brilliantly or badly. We've experienced wonderful and woeful wives. And the sexual revolution, well, it's changed marriage. What one generation considered normal is being passed over by the next. Roles are being reassessed, expectations are changing, and, and the past isn't owned by the present. Each one of us has baggage when it comes to marriage, and it profoundly shapes how we read passages like the one on the screen behind me. Like when you read it, how do you feel? You know, as wives submit, or sorry, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Today, as we begin, I want us all to take a moment. Just take a moment and recognise that we have baggage and that that baggage does shape how we read God's Word. My, my dad had his 89th birthday nine days ago. Right? Mum and dad have been married 62 and a half years. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. For most of it, my mum has struggled with submission. And she struggled with submission because my dad, as much as he loves her, has never really nailed how he can show that love to her. Which means that for much of their marriage, they've actually just missed each other. And they've been disappointed and frustrated within their marriage. And that shaped me and my thinking about marriage. Here's the thing whether we're single and long to be married, whether we're married and, and want to stay that way, or we're, whether we're simply wanting to support our friends who are married, we need our thinking about what makes a marriage extraordinary, what an extraordinary marriage looks like. We, think, we, we need that thinking to be not shaped by our experience Not shaped by our baggage, not shaped by our own disappointments and loss, and certainly not shaped by human wisdom. It has to be shaped by God's word. And if you and I are going to understand what God's picture for an extraordinary marriage is going to look like, we're going to need to take a step backwards before we can take two steps forwards. How about I pray and ask God to speak to us through his word so that we can do just that today. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, we've got baggage when it comes to the words that we've read this morning already. And so we want to ask you to cut through our baggage with your word and by your spirit. Speak into our hearts and change them so that we long to be who you've called us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin by taking a step back and remembering what we've seen over the last three or four weeks as we've looked at chapters four and five. Paul has kept saying, walk like this. So in chapter four, verse one, therefore, I, I therefore rather a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Chapter 5 verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That is, in view of all that God has done, walk or live like this. Live like you understand it, live like you appreciate it. And Paul keeps contrasting the way the world thinks with the way that God thinks. Chapter 4, verse 17. Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, the futility of their thinking. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Verse 17. Therefore don't be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. The world in its thinking is always unwise and always foolish. God in his thinking is always wise and the will of the Lord is wisdom and God's wisdom we're told in verse 18 is do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit As we saw with Ray last week, being filled with the Spirit has four characteristics. If you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be involved in addressing and singing and giving thanks. And fourthly, you'll be involved in submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks is that in God's wisdom, contrary to the folly of this world, the Spirit-filled believer in wisdom submits... That is, wives submit to their husbands, children to their parents, and slaves to masters. Now, at this point, I want to say very, very clearly that submission is not a four-letter word. Can you count? You know what I mean by a four-letter word. There's nothing derogatory about submission. There's nothing wrong with submission. In fact, I want to suggest to you it's actually quite beautiful. See, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he died, Jesus speaks to his father. What did he say? He says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What did Jesus do? He placed his will under the will of his Father. It was his free choice. That's all that biblical submission is. Freely placing my will under the will of another. Jesus freely submitted. God the Son submitted to God the Father. Submission is not a dirty word. It's something that God himself does, which makes it beautiful. So when our Father fills us with his Spirit, he enables us to be like him, submitting as Jesus does. And when he calls us to submit to others, he's simply asking us, having been empowered by his Spirit, to be like him. And that, that is always good. And it's also part of what it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, to walk in love with one another. And that has to be our starting point when we come to understand what it's going to mean for wives to submit to their husbands and for husbands to love their wives as Jesus loved the church. Our step back simply means reading Ephesians 5 in its context. Let's now hear the commands to wives and to husbands in this context as, uh, as our friends Sheo and uh, Funmi read this passage for us. Thanks, guys.
1: Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ,
2: So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as your own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever ate his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one 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 flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen.
0: Thanks, guys. They did really well, didn't they? (laughs) Let's now take one step forward, firstly, with the men. And I want to start with the men because I think it's actually vital for the women to understand just who it is they're being called to submit to. The first thing I want you to notice is the who. That is, who is the command for? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. That's a small thing, but this isn't a command to the wives. It's not a command for the wives to enforce. It's a command just for the men. And what are they to do? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's unpack this for a bit we men are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, that is we are to lay down our lives for our wives as Jesus laid down his life for us. But notice this, this is not hero love. You know, you're walking with your wife and the speeding car comes towards you and at the last minute you see it and you push her out of the way and you get taken out. This is not a once-and-you're-done kind of love. The verb to love is in the present tense, which means this is something that we keep doing all day, every day, until we drop dead. That is, we will choose constantly to put our wives first, their needs first. What is best for them will be front and centre. It will take precedence over what we might think is best for us. Loving our wives as Jesus loved us will mean putting our needs, our desires, second, third or fourth. That is, loving our wives will cost us. Jesus loving us cost him his life. Loving our wives will be very costly and I'm not talking dirhams. (laughs) I'm talking skin, hours, Attention, effort, detail. Money's easy. Money's cheap. Money's not love. This kind of love is way more than provision. It's far more costly than providing protection. Jesus' love cost him everything. That is his life. Husbands who love their wives as Christ loved the church, right, give their lives up, give their rights to a life, give the right to having a life and golf and everything else up to serve their wives. That is, there is no line that they will not cross. There's no price that they won't personally pay to serve their wives and to see that their wives are cared for in every way. It only gets more costly when we remember the when. That is when Jesus loved us like this. Remember Ephesians chapter 2? He loved us like this when you and I were at our most unattractive when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were following the course of this world, when we were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, when we were by nature children of wrath. Jesus loved us when you and I deserved to be sent straight to hell. Husbands, can you see what this means? We're to love our wives no matter how unlovable they've become no matter what they do, and no matter how dysfunctional they are. Because that's how and when Jesus loved us. Did you notice the why? Did you notice why Jesus loved us like this? Verse 26, that he might sanctify her. That is so that you and I might be holy. Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself what? in splendor that is without spot or wrinkle or any such thing now we're not talking physical beauty here this is not an advertisement for cosmetic surgery botox and fillers no 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 no. rather that she might be holy and without blemish Jesus loved us he died for us so that we might be perfectly holy That's to be the purpose of a husband's love for his wife. That she should, in everything, be holy like Jesus, without spot or wrinkle or any blemish, any blemish from sin. Gents, whether you're wanting to be married or not, or you're already married, stop for a moment and think with me about what this will look like on the ground. What it'll mean is it'll mean that you will make your number one priority to make sure that your wife has the time and mental space to read the scriptures every day, that she has time to spend in prayer uninterrupted by you or anyone else and that you will guard that time for her. It'll mean that it'll be a given that you will make it possible for her to gather with others each week around God's word in a 242 group. That is, you will change your schedule. You will cancel your meetings. You won't go to golf. You'll make sure that she gets there. It'll mean that you'll make time not just for Netflix and chill, but also to pray with her and to encourage her. And to walk with her in Christ. And guys, here's the rub. If you don't, you can't claim that you love her as Christ loved the church. You simply don't. Because you don't have Jesus' priorities as your priorities. That is her holiness. It's simply not on your priority list. So, gentlemen, let me ask you, what sacrifices are you actually currently making so that your wife grows in Christ? What needs to change? Oh, and ladies, single ladies, all the single ladies. Can you hand up, single ladies? (laughs) Yeah, all the single ladies. Ladies, if you are single and you are dating a guy and he says that he loves you, but he's more interested in getting into your pants than he is seeing you grow in Christ, seeing you meeting with others around the word and praying with him, if he's more interested in your body than your holiness, dump him. (laughs) Just dump him. He does not love you. Yes, he has incredibly strong feelings for you, It's lust, not love, no matter what he says. See, his actions speak louder than his words. And if he doesn't love you like Jesus loves you now before you marry, nothing's going to change when the ring gets slipped on that finger. Do yourself a massive favour and dump him today. Dump him before you get stuck with a man who will never love you as Christ loved you. Let me tell you, ladies, you can do so much better. Don't settle for third rate. Find a godly husband. I love the next bit because I think Paul really understands men. Look at verse 28. He says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. And boy, do we love our bodies? Like we do, don't we? Now, our wives, they can tell you all of the flaws in their bodies. We only notice the good bits. But, men, we just love what we've got, even if it's a 24-pack. Right? You know, like, in our mind, it's an investment. Wives, let me ask you this. What do your husbands do in front of the mirror? Or in front of you to impress you? He loves his body. Yeah. And Paul turns that back on the blokes just a little. Verse 28. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. It's the most natural thing in the world for a bloke to do, which is why we have the 24-pack in the first place. We love our bodies and we care for them. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. We are his body. And then comes the twist. And guys, just in case you've forgotten, verse 31, you left your father and mother. You didn't move upstairs, right? You didn't go to the next room. You left home and you held fast to your wife and you became one flesh. She is your body. And just like you love and cherish your own body, you are to love and cherish your wife as Jesus cherishes his body, his bride, us, his church. And just in case you're not sure what it means to cherish, I looked it up. It means to prize, to treasure, to hold dear, to be tender with, to care for, to love, to support, to comfort, to nurture, to adore, to be devoted to, to be attached to, to be in love with, and I could go on. Gentlemen, there is a softness and a gentleness to cherishing. It's a softness and a gentleness that our world may not see as particularly masculine. But the Bible does. And it's an integral part of what it means for us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So gentlemen, let me ask you, does your wife feel cherished and nurtured by you? Not do you try and do it but do your efforts cause her to feel that? What would she say about you cherishing her? If you're not sure or if the answer is no, you gentlemen need to change and it's not negotiable. Which brings us to the question of why do we struggle to love our wives if it should be as natural as loving ourselves? What's the problem? And just in case you guessed wrong and you thought the, the problem was your wife, think again. Uh, Jesus loved us when we were at our most unlovable. Gents, the problem isn't them, it's us. There are two problems I reckon most of us blokes have. Firstly, all too often, we're just plain sinful, we're lazy and selfish and simply need to be transformed by Christ that is we're not walking in light of Jesus' death for us we're caught up with the world and it's foolish thinking and the behaviour that flows from that if that's you it's time to act and it's time to change here's what you can do if you know this is you just reach over quietly, no one can see, but it is lovely seeing you in the back corner doing that, sir. Just reach over to your wife and give her hand a little quick squeeze. That's just code for, I'm sorry. It's code for tonight when the kids are in bed, let's kill the TV, let's put our devices away, and let's chat with each other about how I can love you as Christ has loved the church. That, that gentle squeeze, it's, it's code for let's stop and turn a page in our relationship. It's code for, honey, I actually need you to help me to think through how I can put me second and you and your holiness first. It's code for, honey, I need to apologise and I need to change and I need your help. If that's you, give that hand a quick squeeze. She'll know what you mean. The second reason that we struggle is that as blokes, we we need to realise that we actually have to learn our wives. That is, we need to learn how to communicate our love to them in a way that they'll understand, something my dad's never got right. Kaz has been married to me, we've been married to each other, had been married rather, for 22 years when someone gave us Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, and it transformed our marriage. We loved each other. That was a given. We thought we understood each other. Everybody has a love language that they like to be, have love expressed to them in. I thought I knew what my love language was, and I thought I knew what Caroline's was. I was wrong. She thought she knew mine, and she thought she knew hers. Wrong which meant that we just kept missing each other. We loved each other, but we just didn't communicate it at all well. We read the book. Total eye-opener transformed our marriage. Gentlemen, taking a photo of that slide will not transform your marriage. (laughs) However, going online and ordering the book paying money for it, trust me, and then making time over the next few weeks to read it with your wife, taking the initiative to read it with your wife as the two of you together explore what each other's love language is as well as your own will have a dramatic difference to how loved your wife feels. Do it together. Learn how you can show your wife that you want to love her as much as Christ loved the church. Okay, that's one step forward for men. Let's now take a step forward for the women. And let's begin with the same question, the who question. Who is this command given to? The answer this time is to wives. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Gentlemen, this command is not... Never will be ever for you. It's for your wife. So let's think through what next is submission. As we saw earlier, submission is simply placing my will under the will of another. And in the case of marriage, wives are simply to place their wills under the wills of their own husbands as to the Lord. And the reason why, verse 23, because the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church's body and is himself its saviour. And head here means that he has the authority, just as it does in chapter 1, where we read that God the Father has placed everything under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus' head rules over everything. And we, his body, willingly submit to him. So, says Paul, it logically follows, verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, who laid down his life for us, verse 23, and is our saviour, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And as we saw with Jesus in the garden, submission is a choice. That is, submission is a gift, In marriage, submission is a gift from the wife to her head, to her husband, the one who loves her as Christ loved the church. And like Jesus' submission to his own father, it's beautiful and it's absolutely voluntary. It's a free gift, freely given by free people who are freely choosing to submit. Notice this, husbands are never, ever commanded to make their wives submit, not ever, not once, and nowhere in Scripture. Husbands cannot and they must not demand submission from their wives. Let me be very clear, clear rather, and say that the quickest way to demonstrate that you as a husband are completely unworthy of that respect of being submitted to is to demand submission. In fact, quite the opposite. I know of no wife who struggles to submit to a husband who loves her as Christ loves the church. Weak and pitiful men demand submission. They believe in some form of hyper-headship. They believe that it gives them the divine right to demand submission and to take it by force physical force, emotional pressure or or financial manipulation. Gentlemen, our head laid down his life for us. That's what our headship is to look like. Our leadership of our marriage is to look like that, not hyper-headship. There is simply no place in any marriage for any form of coercion ever. If your wife tells you that you're being a bully you know that you're not exercising biblical leadership. You're not leaving your wife feeling loved and secure and heard and supported and cherished. You see, strong and courageous men, strong and courageous men lay down their lives for their wives. They love them as Christ loved the church. So gentlemen, let me ask you, What kind of a man are you? Let's now think about what submission isn't. Submission doesn't mean by definition that a woman gets tied to the kids and chained to the sink. Submission is not living out a particular role or being a particular kind of woman. And it doesn't mean not having a career. To think again like that is to, to allow hyper-headship and end up in that mess, or to be shaped by a culture rather than be shaped by the Bible. And Let's be really clear. The Bible trumps culture every single time. If the Bible is silent, we mustn't put words or allow culture to put words into God's mouth, especially words that are not in sync with Scripture. Think about it. Any believer who's familiar with the Proverbs 31 woman knows that the godly wife is a real estate mogul, a farmer, a merchant, an employer, a philanthropist, a teacher and a business owner. She has fingers in a whole stack of different endeavours. The godly husband longs to see his wife flourish in holiness and in life and to hold her back from these areas seems counter to nurturing and cherishing her. Submission's also got nothing to do with personality, as though a submissive woman ought to have all of the life, fun, zest and drive sucked out of her. That's rubbish. Think about it. Jesus was hardly a wallflower. He was feisty and prepared to argue and stood up to bully and bullies and had compassion and courage. He was also willing to place his will under the will of his father. You see, submission is about trust, not personality type. It's about being willing to trust your husband with the final decision and being willing to back his call, follow his lead, and support his will. And gents, headship doesn't mean you've got to have all the answers. And submission doesn't mean having no say. Any wise husband will recognise that two heads are much better than one. Any wise husband knows that his wife knows him and loves him and wants to support him and will bring a perspective to the table that he may well lack. A clever husband will recognise that his wife is much smarter than he is. Yeah. And let me also say this, a wise husband who wants to encourage his wife as she submits will want to bring her along with every decision with him as he leads, as he takes initiative. And he will understand that the extent of a wife's ownership of any decision, the extent that she owns the decision, is directly proportional to her feeling that her opinions have been heard and understood and have made a difference to the final outcome. So why do we struggle with submission? My guess is there are a myriad of different reasons. Many women, I think, struggle with submission because their husbands are sinful. They're poor heads. They fail to take initiative and fail to lead as Christ does the church. Others struggle because their husbands abdicate. And they hand the leadership back to their wives. Others struggle because of the wisdom of the world, which we've seen as actually folly. It's a a so-called wisdom that sees that submission is in some way demeaning and beneath a woman and, and makes a woman servile. But that can't be the case because Jesus submits to his father and it's a beautiful thing. Others struggle because... Or they're being asked to submit in ways that their culture approves of, but the Bible simply doesn't recognize, putting God's word and culture at loggerheads. Others struggle because they, rather than their husbands, the women, are sinful. That is, they struggle because they want to be independent, they want to have the final say, and they want to wear the pants. I think much of the struggle with submission, though, comes ultimately down to what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden when they rejected God's rule. Remember that God punished the serpent and the woman and the man and as he punished them, he gave them something that was peculiar or particular to them that they would struggle with with every day and that would remind them that they have rejected God and that that rejection comes with consequences. In Adam's case, it was the frustration with work. In Eve's case, we read this. And God said, surely I'll multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain shall you bring forth children. Now, thankfully, that's not an everyday occurrence. Yeah. But the day-to-day is this. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. That is built into the relationship between husband and wife from this point onwards. Will be the frustration that the woman will want to rule, but that desire to rule will be frustrated. Which is why, if we come full circle back to our first step back, we can see that submission is actually evidence of being filled with the Spirit. That is, when the wife who has been filled with the Spirit, when she is able in a godly way to recognise that frustration that God has placed in our marriages because of our sin, and yet she's still able to submit to her husband, knowing that this is God's will for them both, that is evidence of the Spirit at work in her transforming her. Which means that the starting place, if you're struggling to submit to your husband is to ask God to fill you with his spirit, to empower you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And one of the best ways for the spirit to work is to fill your head and your heart with his word and take time to think that word through and pray it through. My suggestion is if you're struggling, spend some time this week in Ephesians 4 and 5. Read it through, pray it through. It will bring significant fruit in your heart and in your mind and in your marriage. Let's, fifthly and finally, let's think through a couple of ways forward from here. for the marriage, for those who'd like to be married and those who long to support the marriages. Firstly, if you're a married woman and your husband is doing a great job at loving her, loving you rather, as Jesus has loved you. Please, 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 please take a moment today to encourage him. Just lean in now if you want to. That's a secret sign. Honey, you're doing a great job. If the couple before you don't move, don't think anything of it. <laughs> Make sure that he knows that you appreciate the way that you're doing this, that his sacrificial love for you. Ladies, secondly, if you're married and you know that you've been struggling to submit to your husband, this is your time to actually reach over and gently take his hand. Give it that gentle squeeze, which is code for I'm sorry. It's code for tonight, let's create some space so that we can have a chat about how I can support and encourage you to take initiative in leading us both. It's code for I've been taking the lead and I'm sorry and I need to hand the reins back. I want you to lead me as Christ leads us both. If you're a married man and you see in your wife significant support for your leadership, if you see her encouraging you and lovingly submitting to you and backing you all the way as you lead the family, again, please, 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 please take some time today to let her know how much you appreciate her support, her teamwork with you as you take the initiative in your marriage. Secondly, guys, if you know that you've abdicated your role as head, that you're not actually leading, you're not taking the initiative you know you need to step up and you need to do it today. So again, reach over and squeeze that hand and tonight, over a cup of tea or a glass of wine, take the initiative to start that conversation with your wife. Start by apologising. Asking her for forgiveness and then together chat through how you can lead her in ways that will encourage her and build her and see her thrive. Ask her, what would be helpful? Make plans together about your next steps. And husband, look, one really easy next step is to log on to fellowshipdubai.com, equip, and sign up for next Saturday night. It's dead easy. Register the two of you and then spend next Saturday night with Ray and Sandy Gilear thinking through how you can grow in your love for each other. That's an easy initiative. It's an easy win. www.fellowshipdubai.com equip. Just get out the phone now if you know you might forget. Right? Your wife will love you for it. If you'd like to be married, right? if you're single... Use what we've heard today, guys and girls, to evaluate your relationship and your partner. Guys, if you want the relationship to go forward, you need to be able to commit to love her as Christ loved the church. Are you willing to do that for her? Are you willing to lead her? Is she willing to follow your lead? Ladies, does he love you like Jesus loved you? Does he lead you as Jesus leads you? Are you able to follow his lead? Guys and girls, if the answer to any of those questions is no, for goodness sake, absolute minimum, have a conversation with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend and unless you see real change this week, not this month or this year, this week, you know what to do. (laughs) Dump them. (laughs) Break up. You're heading for a train wreck. Get off the train before the crash happens. And if you'd like to support those who are married, first thing to do is pray for your family and friends who are married in the light of Ephesians 5. Secondly, do more than pray, ask them. Ask them how they're going and ask them specific Ephesians 5 questions about their marriages So if you're a guy, ask your male friend who are husbands, how are you actually going specifically at loving your wife as Christ loved the church? And ladies, ask your married friends how they're going at encouraging their husbands in their leadership, how they're going at submitting to their head. And as they answer, rejoice with the winds and pray for them in the struggles. And then follow up in the weeks to come, to see how God is helping transform them to be more and more like his body in holiness. How about I pray? Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the gift of marriage. We're so thankful for the gift of your son dying in our place. Father, we pray that husbands really would love their wives as Christ loved the church and would be passionate about their holiness. We pray that wives would respond in submission to their husbands, as they submit to you. Father, we pray for those who are yet to be married, that they would only seek out relationships with the opposite sex that will honour you in everything. Help those who are in relationships that are unhealthy now to take the hard step of ending them today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.